Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Unsexy Church Podcast. So glad that you are tuning in uh, to the podcast today. Uh, we have a great episode for you. Um, but first, Pastor Bob, how are you feeling today? I'm still feeling pretty well. Still feeling yeah, pretty well. Since the last time we recorded, I'm feeling great. Which was about three minutes ago. Yes, it was. Right. Yes, it was. Uh, we just recorded our episode on uh, mission partnerships. So go back and listen to that episode if you did not this last week. So uh, today we're going to be recording an episode on deacons. On deacons. Deacons. Pronounce that clearly. Deacons. Did I not pronounce it clearly? No, you did. Deacons. There you want to say it lower or higher, no, slower no, or faster? No, 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 just not demons. Oh, deacons. sorry. Okay. Deacons. Deacons. Right. Uh, yeah, we're not talking about demons today. Maybe for another, maybe in another episode, we mm-hmm. should cover that. Wouldn't be a bad idea. That'd be interesting. Deacons actually, uh, see, I said it wrong. See, there you go. Demons have decent theology. Uh, they're just on the wrong team. Uh, so we can record that another time. Uh, before we get going, uh, neither one of us have a really good mug. Uh, you have styrofoam and I have a cup from... Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. There you go. You have the, is that, what do you call that, a motto? Uh, slogan. Okay. Yeah. One of the, okay, so this is terrible to mention on a podcast in our we, church building, but uh, we, uh, SNL, right, Saturday Night Live, one of my favorite skits that they've ever done uh, was um, was one on Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> and uh, it kind of compared the type of people, now I go to Dunkin' Donuts, right, but it compared the type of people who go to Starbucks to who goes to Duncan, uh, and had a guy in a thick Boston accent uh, who goes to Duncan, uh, and uh, yeah, I won't I won't say anymore. But it was really funny. Interesting. I haven't seen an episode of Saturday Night Live since the eighties, probably. Yeah. I didn't I didn't see this as a part of the episode. It was a YouTube video gotcha. that was shared around. Yeah, sure, sure. Have you Have you seen this? this I episode? don't believe I have. You'll be watching it right after we're done because <laughs> it's pretty funny. Okay, uh, it's hilarious. Um, so uh, I think it's it's Casey Affleck. Not that that matters, but he he's a great actor and and he's the one. Is that the and, duck that sells insurance? That's Affleck. That's oh. Affleck. Oh, sorry, I got confused. Affleck. Affleck. So Ben Affleck's brother, Casey Affleck, the better of the two actors, by the way. Um, so I, here's one thing about Ben Affleck, because we're totally off course already. Um, I think Ben Affleck is a good actor in the movies he's actually directed. Okay. Yeah. I have, um, I have no. So, argument yeah so when he's batman he's horrible just full of like just hot take here he's not good as batman right he's not good in a lot of those like um undercover operative you know crime whatever kind of guys um you know hero of the film unless he's directed it so i think there's a movie called argo that talks about um uh the fact that he was a cia agent going over to a different part of the world to get some some people away from a war or whatever it's great and he directed it i'm trying to picture who is he is he the goodwill hunting guy yeah yes okay. and by the All way right. he was involved in directing goodwill hunting okay. and it was okay. a phenomenal All movie right. so I'm, I'm not a i'm not a star guy I, I, but, sure I, yeah sure Sorry. but but goodwill hunting's a great movie it's very oh, well yeah, done. Yeah, very well done. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, the best part of that movie is, uh, you know, he's a genius janitor. He goes into a bar. Uh, this is just banter. That's Sorry. Not, you mentioned bar last that's podcast. The other guy, that's the other guy in the movie. Cor- oh, correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's right, right. Uh, 
Is it Matt Damon? Matt Damon. Yeah, that's it. Is that, Matt Damon. Is that yeah. How about them apples? That, that oh, scene? that's the best yeah, scene. That's the best scene. That's yeah. the best scene. You so read, so you now we've pointed people to YouTube and to Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, so, which yeah. is a rated R movie. Oops. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> that's another episode altogether. Isn't it's it? such a good movie. Okay. Hey, we got to talk about Deacons um, so that we can stop talking about Matt Damon, not Demons, Damon or any of the other D words, deacons, deacons. I am so confused right now. <laughs> You're the one who made sure I said it clearly. <laughs> so we're not talking about Damon, demons. Deacons. But deacons. The office of deacon in the local church. Well, before we get to the office, I think we need to talk about something. Okay. So in the New Testament, the word diakonos um, uh, is used 29 times. I had to look that in a book, but it's used 29 times. Um and it's not always used for the office of deacon. Diakonos is translated deacon, uh, but it's also in your Bible sometimes translated servant or minister. In fact, uh, we find it in the book of Matthew, the word diakonos, when it says the greatest among you shall be your servant or your diakonos, your deacon. We find it in Mark 9. Jesus says to the crowd, if anyone would be... If anyone would be first, he must be the last of all and a servant of all or deacon of all. In fact, Jesus uses the same word diakonos in talking about himself. I've not come to be served, but to serve. I've not come to be deaconed, if you will, but to deacon and to give my life as a ransom for money. Of course, Isaiah 53 says there is this coming suffering servant, right? The word was used amongst the Roman world for its governance. Um, in fact, the, 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 the government, according to Romans 13, seeks to serve or deacon the people. And it, it's even used, um, I can't remember the reference, for demons, how they serve the, the powers of the, the, the wicked world. So this word has meant service or minister to, um, but we're going to be looking at a particular office. Because God chooses to use that same word that means service or means minister for one of two offices in his local church. The word elder or pastor, which those that lead the church spiritually, if you will, by teaching. And then those called deacons, the office of the diaconate, um, who lead the uh, church by serving. So we want to talk about deacons, deacons. We'll look at, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, so in short, deacon is just a transliteration of a Greek word that means servant, service. Servant. Right? So, right. It, so in scripture, you can either see it as just a, a descriptor of what someone does, mm-hmm. or as you've just described, it's also an office within the church, but that office is using the word servant. Yeah. And, and words matter. This, this really, really matters. It right? does. Because uh, I, I think words are so important. God uses words. He speaks to us in his word, but... Sometimes you'll hear, for example, um, and, and I hope this doesn't just confuse everybody the way I say this, but I was a pastor of a small country church um, when I was 19 years old, which I wouldn't recommend to anybody, by God's grace, I didn't blow it up. And a lot of times I would be referred to as the minister of that church. While that's certainly correct, it's somewhat not correct uh, because I was one of many ministers. Every believing member of that church is a minister, right? right? Um, the, the term... Uh, uh, what they were trying to say was I was the pastor of that church. Um, ministry is something that all believers do. And so in a sense, all believers deacon, but not all believers are 
Deacons, the office itself. So I think that's really, really helpful to recognize. Every member is a minister. Every member is called to service or serve in some way. Believing minister of a local church, believing member of a local church. But not every member of a local church is to be a deacon, the, 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 the noun form as a title or an office. Right. Is that helpful? Does that make sense? Sure, it does. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the two offices in the church, pastor, or elder, presbyteros, yes. and diakonos, deacon. Those yes. are the two offices in the church that are clearly described in Scripture, right? So, yeah. Go ahead. And yep. so they're both called to positions of service, not positions of status. And I, and I think that's important. It's, it's not pulling somebody out and saying, hey, you're elevated above everybody else mm. because you, you're all that. It's no, we're recognizing that God's call is in your life to serve the church in a particular way. Mm. Um, either that's the pastor or the, the deacon. Yeah. So go ahead. We're and these are, these are gatherings of believer called local churches and God's instituted two offices for them. Again, right. uh, pastor, elder, one office, other office, deacon. Um, let's, where do we find deacons in the Bible? Uh, where do they begin? And what do they look like in the Bible? So let's just answer three questions. Who are the deacons? What's their role? And who must they be in order to serve in said role? So who are the deacons? Well, I would say we first see an example of diaconate ministry or deacon ministry in Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 2, the um, Christ has already ascended. He uh, sends his Holy Spirit that he promised in John 14 to send. It descends on the apostles who are praying. They go and preach the gospel in all of these languages empowered by the Spirit. Um, and Peter preaches this uh, outstanding sermon at Pentecost in Jerusalem, and 3,000 people are saved. Immediately they begin forming as a church, and we read about the church uh, at the very beginning of its found, uh, as its, uh, uh, at the very beginning of its whatever the word is there, uh, start, I guess, uh, in Acts 2, 42 through 47. And then more people hear the gospel in Acts chapter, by Acts chapter 4, and the church is even larger. And it seems like everything's just going perfect and great. There's no problems. And then you get to Acts 6, and there's a big issue, right? And it's a big issue because it, uh, uh, the, the, um, the Hellenists or the formerly Greek influenced, uh, Christians, uh, are, uh, being neglected in food di- distribution. And they're angry and uh, arguing that they're being neglected. And so there's this division that breaks out amongst the Hellenistic Jews or Hellenistic believers and the, the, you might say historic Jews or historic believers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we want to read in just a second here. But I just want to say that it was enough of an issue. It wasn't small that all of the believers, maybe 8,000 of them at that point in time were gathered together to figure this thing out. So. Yeah, there was exponential growth in the church, which was really exciting, but it also created just issues when people come together and try to be on the same page. And what's interesting about this chapter is they're trying to do something good, but even when they're trying to do something good, it can get twisted and unintentionally uh, cause issues. And that's what, that's what we see with the feeding of the, the widows, the Hellenistic Jews and the, the native, the native Hebrews. So while the word deacon as an office is not used in this passage, um, most Commenters, pastors, theologians agree that this sets forth the pattern of the office of deacon. So let's read Acts 6, 1 through 7. Would you like to read it? Would you like me to read it? 
Uh, it's up to you. I got it pulled up. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, people are hearing the gospel, they're believing, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews, both Christians here, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve, as the apostles, summoned the full number of the disciples, that is all the believers, and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching of the word to, of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, talking to the believers gathered there, thousands of them, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and full of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, to serve. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Philip, Procurus, I guess I can say it that way, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicolaus, and a proselyte of Antioch. So a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So who who are these people that they gather? What's their role, at least from the outset, it seems, from Acts 6? Some things that we can just notice about them. So amongst the thousands that are saved and gathered there, there is a need. It's a physical need, uh, and it's to serve, and it's to serve for the unity of the church because there's disunity so that the word of God can continue to go out and so that the apostles can focus upon teaching the word of God and prayer, right? Um, so I, I would say, at least from Acts chapter 6, the role of the deacon, if this is the pattern, is to be are to be model servants who unify the church body by meeting practical needs so that the ministry of what will become the elders or the pastors may, uh, which is of word and prayer, may continue to increase without um, distraction, right? Would right. you agree with a, a sort of definition that looks something like that? Yeah, I would agree with that. You, you see the apostles who have gathered the group and said, hey, there's an issue here. It's not below us to handle this, but it's not the best thing for us to handle us. Our, our attention can be directed elsewhere to the word of God and to prayer. So select from amongst yourselves people who mm. men who are of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit, have wisdom, and then you put them in charge of this. And so we do see this pattern that, that takes place where there, there are those that rise up within the church. People recognize them for their character and integrity, and they say, you handle this. And we see the, the church unify. We see the church continue to grow as a result of this pattern. That's good. Um, I think it's just the, the most overlooked aspect of the deacon ministry that we see in this passage is they are unifiers, right? Deacons, I would argue, should be the sort of people where division comes to die, right? And while we'll look at deacons in the life of the church in the future, uh, and, and later on in our podcast, um, I think we can agree in many churches that's not the case. In fact, um, a deacon board in some cases has actually led to disunity in the church, unfortunately. And yet this office is created by God because of division so that there's not division. Right. Right. Um, who must they be? First Timothy 3, as the church begins to form and local churches start gathering in different places like Ephesus, 
Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, and he lays down as an apostle, speaking on behalf of God, the qualifications that must be met for someone in, to be a deacon. Um, so if you have your and Bibles. Interestingly, right after he outlines the qualifications for someone to be an elder. So these two yeah. offices are just side by side in First Timothy that chapter 3. Uh, the first seven verses dealing with the elder, and then ch- verse eight on dealing with the deacon. That's good. And, and I would say, and I, I hesitated to mention this, not hesitated, I forgot to mention this earlier. Um, the deacons do um, have a ministry uh, of the word. And why I say that is when when these deacons were, were ministering effectively as model servants, serving the people food and making sure food distribution was happening and happening well, they probably formed teams, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they were like the go-to for practical service in the life of that Jerusalem church. The word continued to go out. They, the, the passage is bookended by disciples growing in verse 1, and in verse 7, after they have these seven men, disciples growing. The ministry of the word and prayer continues to go out, and disciples are formed, even of the priests, right? right? And so they meet a huge need for the church. And and the implication there is, if these issues within the church had not been handled, the church would not have been as successful in taking the gospel in, in, in a unified manner. Yeah, we can only ask what would have happened. Right. Right. Um, so we see some qualifications in that Acts 6 passage. They need to be full of the Spirit. They need to be of good repute, good reputation, and then full of wisdom. But but Paul later, as I already mentioned, mentions in uh, 1 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy, um, some uh, some more clear expectations for those that are going to serve in this role. Um, it may not be a bad for idea for you to read, us, to read this. It's not very long. It's not long. 1 yeah. Timothy 3, 8 through 13. 13. You want to read it? So deacons, likewise, must be men of dignity, not insincere, not prone to drink much wine, not greedy for money, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested, then have them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. What seems to be the focus of the qualifications for a deacon? Which is probably similar to the qualification of an elder. That's very close. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot of similarities. So it's character. It's the character of the person. Um, I I. I I've seen this broken down. I don't, I don't think it's original. Um, so th- these men have a sincere outlook. So they are men of dignity, right? So that doesn't mean they're always walking around with a dour look on their face mm. and always grumpy. It just means that, that they recognize the, the import of the call that's been put on the church. So they, they have a serious outlook. This is what the church is about. So we've got to be serious about that. They're, they have sincere words. They're not insincere. Their yes is their yes. Their no is their mm. no. You take them at their word. <laughs> Excuse me. They are um, sober spirits, right? Sober in spirit. They're they're not uh, prone to drink much. They're, they're they're just letting the Holy Spirit control their lives. Uh, so they have satisfied hearts. So they're they're not greedy for money. Um, so they they're satisfied in in who God says they are. They're finding their contentment in Him. Uh, they have a sacred trust. So they have been given. They're holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They understand that God has given us the gospel. He's given us His word, and we we have a responsibility 
with it. Uh, they have a solid testimony. They have to be tested. If people say this is who they are, then they then they pass the test, and they have to have settled homes. They, they, their ministry starts at home. This integrity, mm-hmm. all of these things, starts with being a husband who loves his wife and, and raises his children properly. If you can't do it at home, you're not going to be able to lead in the church. And so I think those are just qualifications for, for, for men who would be considered to be deacons. That's good. Um, we see that these are uh, men of great reputation and strong in their faith because one of the individuals who was chosen to be a deacon just two chapters later in the book of Acts would actually be martyred for his faith. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was a man who knew the gospel well, knew the Old Testament well. He gives this long sermon attesting to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah that the Old Testament promised to. And he lays down his life for the gospel like the apostles later would as well and many other deacons following after. Um, so let's look at deacons in the life of the church. We stand on the shoulders of men and women for the last 2,000 years who've gone before us, who've served in local churches well, um, and, uh, and who've ministered the gospel all across the world. Um, in the early church, it seems like what we uh, read is um, – as the deacons were well known for uh, helping out with ministry finances. So as people gave to the church, they considered how they might support widows and orphans with said money. Um, that was probably a role that deacons had, uh, even those Acts chapter 6 individuals, because as they're distributing food, they're also considering funds that help provide for said food. Um, uh, and then over time, something changes. But before we get to what changes, uh, there's a book uh, written by Matt Smethurst. It's a nine marks book, um, and it's called Deacons, How They Serve and Strengthen the Church. And he records a story, uh, which we don't know, um, you know, if this is maybe a, a little more apocryphal, uh, but we see that its earliest known source is Ambrose of Milan, and it's a story about a deacon. And I just want to read this story. Uh, of a faithful deacon in the early church. Early this is, church. This is cool. Yeah, this is cool <laughs> to me. So he says, uh, and I'm, I'm quoting Matt Smethurst here in the book, let's travel to ancient Rome. Only eight years have passed since Emperor Decius sought to exterminate all who refused to pledge allegiance to his sovereign rule. Untold Christians were killed. It is now AD 258, and a man named Lawrence is one of the seven deacons serving in Rome. His task is to oversee the church's finances and distributions to the poor, which we see, Acts 6. In August, the news hits. Decius's successor, Valerian, has issued a chilling edict. All bishops, priests, and deacons, which of course at that point in time there's added roles, which you don't find in the Bible, must be rounded up and killed. Lawrence is soon taken before the magistrate. The offer Surrender the treasure of the church and you will be freed. The deacon agrees. He only requests three days to receive, receive it, retrieve it. Leaving the court, Lawrence wastes no time. He entrusts the church's money to safe hands and then gathers together the sick, the aged, the poor, the widowed, and the orphaned. At last, he returns to the court, pitiful band in tow. Incensed by the commotion, the magistrate demands an explanation. Lawrence responds, Sir, I have brought you what you asked for. Then, gesturing toward the people he gathered, he declares, These are the treasures of the church. Subsequently, sentenced to a martyr's death, the deacon endures the flames with startling calm, even quipping to his executioners, You may turn me over 
I am done on this side. <laughs> I love that. I don't know if that's true or not. Matt Smethurst didn't know if that's totally true or not, but we find records of that as early as, goodness, uh, AD 391. Lawrence was a boss, man. Lawrence was a boss. <laughs> and so you see a man full of the Spirit who's considered his care given to him by the Lord and affirmed in him by his local church to care for the widowed, the orphaned, the least of these. Hmm. And that's what he does. That's a great story. Oh, I love oh, it, yeah. right? Uh, over time, however, uh, we see um, as the church, you know, uh, just to be honest, as the church seemed to succumb to some temptation, uh, not only was there uh, unbiblical practices, ungodly things happening in the, the priesthood and many other things like that, but deacons seemed to become more of a stepping stone to become a priest, which become became a stepping stone to become a bishop or what have you, so on and so forth, right? They almost became protégés of the priests, and they actually served bishops. They were like their servants instead of servants of the least of these. Uh, something changed. Today, we see different denominations and different uh, understandings, uh, different groups of people who understand the Bible differently to interpret this office um, in about five different ways. Now, I'm going to list these five ways, and feel free to make as many comments on them as you want. When I list these five different ways people understand deacons in the life of their local church, I don't mean to say that it's one or the other. Sometimes uh, deacons may serve in one or two or even three of these ways I list. But here's three common ways of understanding deacons and how they interact in their local church. And why you say this, the local church is autonomous. Yeah. And I think this is one of those issues where we see it's not a primary issue of theology. It is a secondary or a tertiary issue because it does make a difference in, in how the church is run. Um, but we can go to – not just outside our denomination. We can stay in our inside our denomination and see each one of what you're about to, to lay out, see these in different churches uh, yeah. because churches just interpret this differently and yeah. how they apply, how the deacons serve within the body of Christ. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean that one is wrong and one is right. It is just, a, again, a, a, an interpretation. I would have an opinion on whether it's right or wrong, but it's sure. not necessarily – it's the local church saying this is how we interpret it and this is how we're going to use deacons within this body. I think they can be applied improperly if, yeah. if the deacons are given authority over the pastor. I think that's an improper understanding of it. But there are other ways that it can be used that is may not be how I interpret it, mm. but I don't necessarily think I would argue with it. I would say that out of these five, there are some with certainly more merit. Sure, a hundred percent. And and some of these that probably don't have really any biblical backing at all, mm -hmm. right? Um, some some of them, however, have plenty of biblical backing. Sure. Uh, so let's look at the five. Um, there's probably more than five. I just wrote this down earlier. Um, five ways we see deacons utilized in the church today. Sometimes they're understood to be priestly protégés. Mm -hmm. So this is a more high church understanding. The Anglican Church, the Roman Catholic Church sees deacons or even archdeacons, I think, in the Roman Catholic Church as bishop's servants uh, and the first step into becoming a priest. Second way we see them, a board of directors. So in some congregational churches, uh, not uh, low church has a weird uh, it's a weird title, but not high church. You see in congregational churches where the congregation has more authority. This is a group of uh, members who uh, oversees not only the church's finances, but also the direction of that local church. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes even placed above, say, the preaching teacher, pastor of the church. Uh, you also see uh, 
the deacons to be understood in some churches as a board of advisors. Uh, maybe they're like um, um, a group next to the pastor that advises the pastor on what t- step to take uh, moving forward, or the pastor goes to them as kind of the sounding board or or board that he can ask questions of to move forward. Right. A uh, fourth understanding or the fourth way that we see deacons uh, is that it's a group of members of the local church that serves primarily families, uh, meeting needs, um, you know, helping think through how to care for the widows of the church specifically, maybe uh, making sure all the families receive the care they need. A fifth way that we see deacons in the church today is that it's a group of members of a local church uh, and that they're model servants and they specifically aim to meet physical and practical needs of the church. Right. Um, I think we would argue and, and help me think through this mm-hmm. a little bit that number four and number five are probably the best understanding of a biblical deacon for, from what we actually have in the scriptures. Correct. Right. Yes, we would, we would argue that. Yes. Um, and we would try to practice that. And we would try to practice that. Um, we see number four, a group of people ministering to families and orphans and widows. We see that in the early church and we see examples of that in the New Testament. A group of model servants meeting physical practical needs. That was number five. Um, they're model servants according to Acts chapter six and first Timothy chapter three. They're meeting physical needs in the life of a regular local church, Acts chapter six. And they do that to preserve unity so that the pastors, um, which would be the people following the apostles, not apostles themselves, but following the apostles who were dedicated to the ministry of the word and prayer. Right. But how do, this is a good question. I think pastor Bob, help me, help me get to an answer here. How do the deacons, uh, relate to the pastor or pastors of a local church? They ought to be arm in arm side by side. Um, uh, I, I rely on our deacons um, because we as ministers cannot properly love the body of Christ the way we should, the way we're called to without help. Um, we just cannot give the attention to the amount of people that God's blessed us to, to, to lead here uh, and do it well. And so deacons and pastors and ministers, they, they ought to be side by side, arm in arm, um, ministering together to the body of Christ. Helping one another to do exactly that. I don't know if I'm answering your question or not, but that's good. Um, so, uh, is there a difference? Well, we are, we already said there is a difference, but that the relationship between a pastor and uh, and a deacon, uh, based upon the office they're given, what are the differences in their aim, and how do they work together in accomplishing the goal of the church with different aims? Sure. So, so the, the with different tasks. Maybe. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so the the pastor is is spiritually leading the church, um, discerning which direction God would have for the church, uh, teaching the church through scriptures, uh, and the deacon is then coming alongside and loving and supporting and providing care for uh, the the church members. They're they're servant leaders who are providing primary caregiving to to the members of the church, so that we're all. Uh, on the same page and going in the same direction. So would you say the pastors, the elders, what have you, in First Timothy 3, that office is, is designated by God and affirmed by a congregation to lead the church directionally by the Word of God? Correct. Yeah, teaching mm-hmm. primarily, mm-hmm. Uh, ministry of the, the Word and prayer. Mm-hmm. And that the deacon, uh, the, the deacons, that office— uh, called by God, 
affirmed by the church is to meet the church's practical needs as model servants for that said congregation. Both are ministering to the church, serving the church spiritually. They're both uh, characterized as spiritual people, but some meet more physical needs where others meet more, um, you might say, spiritual needs. I don't Physical needs are spiritual needs, but mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying there. Right, right. Yeah. But they're both after the, the highest good for the church right. and, and God's glory. So they're both seeking spiritual good for the church. They're both speaking, seeking unity for the church. Again, they're working arm in arm, side by side, to, to minister to, to love the body. Uh, if deacons in the church fulfill the qualifications, if they truly are men of wisdom, men filled by the Holy Spirit, men of integrity, men who complete all all of those things, then the pastor should lean heavily on those folks because they have they've risen to the top. That the, the church has looked at these men and said, they are already setting the example. We are following these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it it it's it behooves the pastor to not have deacons who are adversarial against you, but that are working alongside of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it it is wise for the pastor to just not see them as, hey, I don't want to do this, so you guys go do this. Mm. That that's not the that's not the approach. It should be, I love I love our people. You love our people. How can we best love our people? Um, and and then using these men who God have God is blessed with spiritual discernment and integrity, and saying, guys, this is this is where God's leading me to to take the church. This is this is where I'm feeling. And, and so, using them as you mentioned, one of the uh, things is an advisory group. Um, so it, advisory to me is going to them and saying, God, you're, you're supposed to be a godly group of guys. Mm. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm understanding God to say. Help me think through this before I, before I go further with the whole church. I want, I want to know what you guys think. Let me push a little bit. Can I do that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, a couple things here. Uh, first off, um, you, you mentioned, uh, the are not group of people just to, to, to put, put things on to say, okay, I don't want to do this. Here you go. Mm-hmm. But would you say that there are a group of people where you say, I can't do this? Can you do this? Uh, there are a group of people that, yes, I, I can't do this or I shouldn't do this. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. there are certain things. Because, that because I, the uh, ministry of the word and prayer will, will, will suffer will because suffer. I'm yeah. having to do these things. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So, yeah. so if you guys handle this, then I can focus on this. Now I yeah. can do those things. It's not below me to do those things, but it's yeah. not the best for me to do those things. So, yeah. There are certain things that only I can do. There's certain things that I shouldn't do. And, and discerning those and focusing on the things that only I can do. No one else can prepare my messages for me. At least sure. I shouldn't. Sure. Sure. <laughs> right. Sure. <laughs> right. That's a different discussion. <laughs> it is altogether. <laughs> sure. But, um, uh, so I need to be focusing on those teaching times and those kind of things. Um, and so, but there's other guys can do some other things. They, yeah. they can, they can make visits. They can, they can oversee the ordinances. They, you know, sure. I don't have to do those things because there's gifted people that can do that. Yeah. In fact, I, I shouldn't be doing those things because somebody else can't. Yeah. And you said that these are, you know, people that are, um, they're full of the spirit of the Lord, the Lord. They are, um, full of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so they are people that you want to kind of bounce uh, ideas or thoughts off of. That's a, I think that's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really have clear examples of that happening in the New Testament, but you got people that are full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. Why not bounce things off of them? Um, but I, I do think it's important to distinguish elders slash pastors mm-hmm. are not deacons and deacons are not, are not elders or pastors. Right. Um, one reason I, I think it's important to, to note that 
is um, is just the question of okay, in church history we do have women serving in this role, whether biblically justified or not. Mm-hmm. Even in our Southern Baptist Convention, we have women serving in this particular role of deacon, not of elder or pastor, of deacon. Deacon. Um, you know, for example, in First Baptist Church Philadelphia and First Baptist Church um, uh, Nashville, uh, women served in these roles. Um, we have, uh, you know, even Lottie Moon advocating, Lottie Moon, who we have a whole Southern Baptist, you know, op- mission offering uh, in her name, advocated for this sort of role. Uh, and, and I don't want to spend our time on why or why not. I just want to spend our time saying good, godly men and women, theologically conservative, disagree on whether women can serve in the deacon role. Right. And I say that to say um, that we do not believe, in fact, it's even in our confession as a Southern Baptist people, that women cannot serve in an elder or pastoral role. So help us real quick, um, just maybe remind us that these are two different roles, um, that while the pastor in his relationship with the, the deacons or while pastors in their relationship with deacons can can grow from them, seeing their model servitude mm-hmm. and their um, their care for people and can serve alongside of, serve with. Pastor sometimes does deacon work, right? Deacons uh, sometimes do a sort of kind of shepherding work, um, uh, but but they, they must be distinguished. Is that correct? Uh, of course. They're, they're two different roles, and it's okay. clear within Scripture. Um, when it when it comes to female deacons, I, again, I think it's a it's a local church issue because um, you can go to Romans chapter sixteen and it says, "I recommend to you." Paul recommends to the church in Rome, my sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is in the particular city. Um, and that word "servant" is the word diakonos that we started this conversation mm-hmm, with. Mm-hmm. And in almost every other instance where that word is used, it's it they say, "Well, he was a deacon," but when you get to this particular person, because she's female, the question is, well, was she actually a deacon fulfilling yeah. the role or was she just a servant in the church? Yeah. I, I don't think you can be definitive. And yeah. so there there are churches that interpret that and say, well, you know, so that that a woman can serve in the role of deacon, not pastor, in the role of deacon within the in the life of the church. And if that church has chosen to do that, then that's fine. Yeah. Um, but other churches have said no. But sure. to your to your bigger point, when I talk about going to deacons uh as advisors, there's a difference between going to somebody for advice and somebody who is directing you, right? Yeah, so it's not sure. a board of directors sure, sure, that sure. has authority over and says, this is what you do or this is what you don't do, yeah. uh, and thus asserting authority over someone. Um, but it is – these are this is a group that God has provided to the local church who are su- supposedly spiritual leaders, who are, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with wisdom – I think the ministerial staff should go to them mm. at times and say, guys, just help us pray through this. Help us think through this. What are, yeah. are, are there holes that we're not seeing? Is there things that we're not seeing? Sure. Not necessarily for their approval, but just for their advice and say, here, have you thought about it this sure. way? Have you thought sure. about it that way? And so I, I think to that bigger picture, I mean, it, it, it does complicate it if there are females serving on the deacon body and that deacon body has direct oversight or authority over the pastor. Well, that's mm. a contradiction to what scripture teaches. Yeah. Uh, but if that that deacon uh, group has a female on it, and they are there because they are spiritually leading and 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 um, serving the church, then it doesn't mean I can't get spiritual advice from a sure. from a female. Sure, right? absolutely, absolutely. Uh, praise God that that uh, Apollo's got female advice from a 
Aquila and Priscilla. So that's right. Um, so, so while we don't practice female deacons here at First Baptist Church, we haven't traditionally. Uh, if another body does, and they do it in a proper biblical fashion, yeah. again, it's it's a local church issue to me. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. Everything you said there, I think that's super duper helpful. Um, so I hope, dear listener, that is super helpful. And and I would just echo something that we would agree with that, uh, and I think you can agree with this, and we can move on to to another part of this talk. But um, good godly men and women disagree on whether or not a, a woman can serve as a deacon in a local church. Right. Right. Um, um, Southern Baptists that we find ourselves a part of disagree on that fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I think you can be theologically conservative, strong in biblical interpretation, and recognize there is an argument to be made both for women deacons and against women deacons. All right. But, uh, to be Southern Baptist distinctly and to, I would argue, probably take the scriptures as serious as they present themselves. We don't find an argument to be found that a woman could serve in the role of a pastor or an elder in a life of a local church. And we would probably also say, and make sure you agree with me here, mm-hmm. that, um, that if the, uh, a, a, a group of deacons, are serving as, you mentioned this, but are serving as a board of directors where the pastor or pastors report to the board of directors. They're serving in a sort of elder-like function, and therefore it would not be encouraged under any circumstance in that sort of role for a woman to be a deacon. Right. Right? right. We, we would agree with all of that. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's what I said. That's what I intended to yes, say. Yes. Yeah. Right? I'm just, I'm just okay. saying a few things. Sure. So a few things sure. just I want to say before we talk about in the life of our church is practically how our deacons serve us so well. Mm-hmm. Um, a few last things on deacons. Without effective deacons, pastoral burnout is most likely. Agree or disagree? Agree. Yeah. yeah. We need help. We need a lot of help. Uh, without godly deacons, church division is probably sure, right? Um they are the uniters of the church, right? They're the glue that keeps the church together by serving people. They're they're the leaders. They, these are the people that people have said, that's who I'm following. Mm. And so they can either be uniters or they can be dividers. That's right. Yeah. And then lastly, with godly deacons, pastoral ministry increases, and it's the joy of the pastor that it increases, mm-hmm. and the church's needs are more likely to be met. 100%. 100%. Yeah. All right, deacons in our church. Let's just ask a couple questions real fast. Uh, how are our deacons chosen? So we have a process um, that by which we ask the church to make recommendations. So the church will then say, "Here's who we, we give them the qualifications. We sh- we show them the, the 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 passages that that deal with that, and say, okay, who meets this in your mind? So we, every year we receive these recommendations, uh, and then the the deacons actually look at that list um, after the uh, current serving deacons. the serving deacons. Yeah. Uh, after the after myself, uh, the pastor, and the um, chairman of the deacons and the vice chairman of the deacons, we take that list first uh, and kind of go through it, and because we might know some things that that other church members may not know about, some sure. maybe they're struggling with a particular issue at the time, or it's just not the right time, or and so we'll we'll pare that list down a little bit, and then we'll take who's left on that list to our deacons and say, okay, guys, do you know something we don't know? Who who in this list rises up? Uh, and then once we've gone through that list, we go back to those who are still there 
uh, and we go have a conversation with them and just say, here's what it means to be a deacon here at the church. Uh, it's a servant. We, we assign our deacons. Uh, this may be another question. We, we assign each one of our deacons multiple families. So each one of our deacons probably has 25 to 30 families, and we're asking them to, to keep track of them uh, regularly. Uh, and if they're still interested and we, we ask them a few questions, theological questions, those kind of things, then that slate is taken back to the church and say, these are the men that we recommend to the church for deacons. And then the church either affirms or does not affirm them. Uh, and then after that, they go through a process of ordination. So one of the primary things that our deacons do, I think you hinted at it, is they're assigned uh, a number of families from our church to oversee, to to serve, to make sure needs are met in that family, to just check in on them, mm-hmm. uh, to make sure they're not in the hospital, reporting to the pastors to say, hey, we're going to go visit them, just letting you know this is what's going on in their lives. They're very helpful working side by side with the pastors of our church. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're a point of contact so yeah. that, that folks know somebody cares. And and if, if there's something going on in my family this 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 guy cares about us and um so they they're there for birthdays they're there for anniversaries they, they connect with them there if something happens and someone's in the hospital they're they're ministering and loving there of course the staff is trying to do that as well sure. but with as the church grows bigger and bigger it's hard for us to always be there but the deacons can do that and they can build relationship it it, it really needs to be relational and that has to be two-way because there's there's many times when our deacons try to reach out to our families and they're not as open to to that kind of two-way conversation uh, but it is it's a great way for our folks to just make sure that we're we make sure we're loving our folks well caring for our folks well anything else you'd add to the way that our deacons serve in their relationship to both the pastors or the congregation anything else you would say you know I'm, we're blessed here at first tampa and and i've been blessed at almost every church that i've served to have just some good godly men who mm-hmm. desire for the church to thrive and and just uh, want to just come alongside and support and encourage. And, and that's what we have here. And it's a blessing to serve with, with the, with the men that serve as deacons here. Um, this, uh, when they're doing what they are supposed to be doing, it's just a wonderful thing. Um, to, to see them loving our people and to say that, to see them come up and say, Hey, pastor, what else can we do? Mm-hmm. It's a blessing. It really is. You know, you've heard of deacon horror stories. Sure. And from different churches. And I've, I've served in churches where, um, the deacons were, um, just humble, faithful individuals and some that were a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have a great group of deacons here at our church. Um, and, and, and I think, and I'll just say this and we can move on, but, um, I, I do think the reason for some of the difficulty that has arisen in some churches because of the deacon, deacons, you know, the group kind of taking over is because we've had pastors come in for two years mm-hmm. and then leave. And these deacons are, They've been church members for 40 years, and they're not going anywhere. Right. And so they say, what do we do? And all they can think to do is step up where mm-hmm. a person may have you know, committed an, a grievous sin and had to leave or may have moved on to a different ministry role too quickly. Uh, and so over time, that's, you know, the, 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 the people that have stayed take leadership. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sometimes because of pastoral failure, deacons have become what they weren't intended to be from the beginning. And I think that's important to note because deacon, deacons can also receive a bad rep. And what, what they were trying to, trying to probably do is actually take care of the, a, a pastor's mis, misleading. Right. Or, so. or, or even if the pastor didn't misstep, if a pastor goes in and they're there two, three years and, the, and, and everybody knows they're not here long term, mm. the deacons are going to protect the church. Yeah. 
and and that's just an instinct to do so. And and I don't know that it's a wrong instinct. Mm. Um, and so they 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 try to 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 protect the church, and in doing so, they kind of take on a role that's not really designed to be theirs to do. Yeah. Um, and so again, it, it, it's a relational thing where where the the pastor has to earn long term that that right alongside those deacons and just mm-hmm. love the people. It, what, what a blessing it is. It's kind of like a relationship within a marriage where a man lays down his life for his wife and his wife gives his, mm-hmm. gives her life to her husband. I'm not saying the same way that's how it operates between pastors and deacons. I'm just saying as a pastor continues to be faithful in ministry, deacons will recognize that and love to serve alongside them. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode. Thank you to our deacons at First Baptist Church of Tampa. We love you. Go deacons. Go Deacons. We hope you have a great week.